and welcome to another episode of the Basketball Podcast, all things of basketball from the past. This is your host, Jeremy Brenner here, and if you didn't listen to our first episode, highly recommend you do so because it is the first part of our two-part story with the 2003-2004 Minnesota Timberwolves. Of course, I'm joined by one of the two hosts of the 10,000 Layups pod here on the Basketball Podcast Network, Mr. Kyle Ratke. Kyle, how are you today? I'm doing well, man. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm totally acting like we didn't just record the first part not five <laughs> minutes ago. But um, <laughs> but if you want to uh, make sure you go subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss a single episode of the basketball podcast here at the Basketball Podcast Network. Now, where were we? <laughs> if you listened to our last episode, we talked about uh, the rise of the Minnesota Timberwolves in the 2003-04 season. KG's MVP year and all the all the glory that the Timberwolves have had. And unfortunately for you, Kyle, we've got to talk about some rough parts. And, you know, we, we left off with game seven of the Western Conference final, uh, Western Conference semifinals. They beat the Kings in game seven, wild, emotional. Uh, what are you thinking as a 13, 14 year old young lad in the Twin <laughs> Cities? Uh, I'm thinking you're going to beat the Lakers. Yeah. You're like, like, we're going to the finals. We're going think, all the way. Yeah. Because I, I think you look at that team and you're like, okay, like, you know, and obviously the Lakers, you know, they're, they're the Lakers, but I think you're feeling so optimistic because uh, everything's kind of coming into place. And, um, you know, the, the, the one thing we didn't know at the time after game seven was um, there's obviously the infamous Sam Cassell uh, big balls dance, right? Like, you, you know, that dance, like the celebration. And I think we, we see it all over sports now. Right. Um, well, it turns out like it was more than just a funny dance. Uh, years later, Flip Saunders told us that's actually how Sam Cassell injured his hip. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, is whether no. that's, whether that's true or not, I don't know. No, it's not it. Um, but, but he told us that, right. And, but, but Cassell gets hurt and none of us knew that right mm -hmm. at, at the time. And, um, you know, he, he played 43 seconds in the team's game to win. He plays five minutes in game four. Like you think if you have a healthy Cassell, do, do you win that series? I don't know. Like you probably at least go seven games. Um, uh, but, but yeah, you, you see it dwindle away to the hated Lakers. Now, was there also kind of a sense that you're going to beat the Lakers? Because at this point we're past the Lakers, uh, three Pete. We're, we're a couple years removed from that, to be honest. Um, so was there kind of a sense, and the Spurs came into the fold last year. Was there a sense that, okay, it's, it's the Timberwolves time. Like it's, it's, it's our time. This is our chance. You know, like, again, like, you know, we're Minnesotans. So like, I don't think you ever are super confident that um, like it is your time. I don't like if that makes any sense and uh, it, it will, it'll make sense to Minnesota sports fans because I think when you're just like trying to be good and you're just like, you want to be in the national conversation because you're a small market and like, you don't get the attention that you deserve. I think like there's this thought that you're like, 
okay, we're playing the Lakers and everybody's paying attention. This is great. Um, now if we can win, yeah, that's even better. Um, but, but then I think like, you know, you, you look at the, the, the matchups and you look at like who the Lakers have and you're right. Like outside of Kobe and Shaq, it's like, okay, like maybe, maybe the, the, the wolves do have a chance, but I mean, like we can't pretend the Lakers were, were, I mean, they had 14 to one odds to, 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 uh, you know, win the finals going into the season. So it's not like, um, or so I'm sorry, they had, uh, 1.41 to odds. Like it was basically an even bet for, mm-hmm. for the Lakers to, to win the finals. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you're at, the, at this point, you're probably just happy to be there. So at that point, so the Lakers repeat those odds to me. And so the Lakers odds and the, the Wolves odds, uh, the, the Lakers, they were a plus. 140 while the Timberwolves were 12 to one. Um, so the Wolves were the favorite. No, they, the, uh, the, the Lakers. Were. I lied. Yeah. So for, for gamblers out there. Yeah. That basically means, um, the odds of the yeah. Lakers winning were, you know, one point. I was thinking one thing and my mouth said another thing. Yeah. Part. So like, <laughs> yeah, I think like maybe they underperformed in the regular season, but like this was still, I mean, like if you're comparing it, this is still like, when LeBron's Cavaliers are like the fourth seed or something, you're still like, okay, like this is still the team to beat, even though they don't have home court advantage. Mm-hmm. So you go out in game one and you lose home court advantage and you're like, Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. This is what it's like to be Minnesota. Yeah. And then you, you win game two in like a very odd way. You, you hold uh, the Lakers to, to 71 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, okay. Um, and then, you know, your next two games are your daggers where uh, you lose both. And, and basically, you know, you're down three to one and like, good luck. Uh, you know, I, th- I think you, you win a game five and um, but the writing's on the wall at this point where mm-hmm. you're not going to, you're not going to win back-to-back games without a, a healthy Cassell. Yeah. I mean, we talked, we've talked about Cassell and his impact on the previous episode. But I mean, when, when you see that Cassell is just, is that, was that the dagger was not having Cassell? Was that the dagger or was it losing game four? Um, I guess what was, what was a bigger dagger? I mean, like probably both. Cause like Cassell only played five minutes in game four. So I think like not having a, a your all-star point guard, um, and like Troy Hudson's very popular in the Minnesota area, mostly because like he wasn't supposed to be good. And then uh, he, he was good. And he, I think he still lives, lives around here. Um, but like he, he, he's like the rip on, on Minnesota for so long is that like guys like him were the solution next to Garnett, right? Like it was like Troy Hudson and like there was Mike James for a little bit. And um, it was all these guys where it's like, okay, what are we doing here? Like, who are these guys like this is what you're doing, you know, to Kevin Garnett's prime. And then finally you get Cassell and Spreewell. So like, yeah, like you, you don't want to like losing game four was the dagger, but like, I mean, it, it goes hand in hand with losing Cassell. Cause if you don't lose Cassell, do you lose both those games? Um, probably not. And then you're in a situation where like you need to win game six to get to game seven. Um, Cause even if the Wolves win game six, it's like, well, you still have to beat the Lakers in game seven. Yeah. And of course, we know the Lakers 
move on. They win in six. They play the Pistons in the finals, and they lose the finals. Now, that 04 Pistons team, to me, that's the first champion that I saw, personally. So that team I see is like maybe a little bit better than I thought. But I think defensively, it's still the best team I've ever seen. That team was a team that won strictly on their defense. Now, every every champion that's come afterwards has had an offensive superstar. That 04 Pistons team did not. And they still won despite all of that. Now, say the Timberwolves get past the Lakers. I know you said, you know, they win that series. Why do they beat that Pistons team? Yeah, I I think I misspoke before when, when I, I talked about like the Saints uh, beating the, the 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 Colts that year. It would have been the opposite. But um, my theory still stands that I think the Timberwolves probably do win because you actually have like I, th- I think Minnesota could have matched Detroit's uh, intensity on defense. And that all starts with Garnett. So I think that you would have been able to basically shut down a team that didn't have very many scores the way it was. And I think that you would have been able to, uh, you know, I think you would have been like, I don't want to say that the, 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 the wolves had a better o- offense than the Lakers, but I do think they had a lot of options and they had a lot more shooting. Um, so that my, that's my theory. I don't, I don't know if they actually would have, but I, I just think that I think the sense was in Minnesota, like your NBA finals was playing the Lakers. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was like, whoever you play next, like you're going to win because you're playing this, this team right now where like maybe the Lakers felt that like thought that too. And, and, and that's, you know, maybe that's why you, uh, you have a disappointing finals for them. But um, yeah, I just think in the, in the mindset of Timberwolves fans, I think you're playing this iconic Lakers team. You're playing Shaq, you're playing Kobe, whatever happens, like this is our finals and we're going to win. Yeah. And if you look at, you look at the Pistons, right? The pit. So the, the Wolves were the fifth-ranked offense, um, and the Pistons were 18. And the Wolves on defense, you know, of course we know the Pistons. Pistons are the second-best defense that year, 95.4 defensive rating. And the Wolves that year were six. So, yeah, I mean, the the defense could have matched. But I guess from what I know about the situation, from what I can remember from my you know limited point of view is that Ben Wallace and Rashid Wallace were not letting like it was going to be a difficult it was going to be difficult to get a basket in the paint against those guys and for me when i look at the wolves KG is your best opportunity to get a bucket And so if the Wolves were to win that series, it would have been because of their secondary pieces. It wouldn't have been like KG was going to have to either completely look if KG beats out Rashid and Ben, that series is over and probably four or five, but I think they give him a tough time. So the Wolves are going to have to rely on Sam Cassell, Latrell Sprewell, those guys to, boost your offense and you're not going to need to put up a chunk of points because the Pistons don't do that either but it's can can KG do enough for that 
you know, can KG get the better of Ben Wallace in that series? That's the key matchup. And I don't know if, if they do that, but obviously we're talking about the Wolves and we've talked about KG's dominance. So, and you're the guest, Kyle, so I'm going to take your word for it. The Timberwolves win the 0304 uh, championship. <laughs> if put the banner up, they, yeah, put the banner up. You know, let it let it go into the rafters. But you know, I think what what's more shocking than going through this whole season and losing right at the very end is what came afterwards. And before we do that, before we look at what happened afterwards, we have to kind of rewind and go back. Because there's a point in this story before 2003 that we need to discuss before we go forward. So we're going to rewind back to 2000. And the Wolves are caught in a bizarre scandal with the league in regards to signing Joe Smith. And I'm going to let, I can already hear the size from you, Mr. Kyle Racky. So I'm going to let you take it from here and, and give us your version of events. So stupid. Um, well, here, here I am. Um, okay. So the, I, I think what a lot of people think is like the Timberwolves and Joe Smith, they wanted to do this deal. Like, I think they just like, they thought they think of it as like Kevin McHale and Joe Smith meeting to basically like sign a piece of paper to say like, okay, this is what your contract is going to be. Um, we'll figure it out later. Like, no, no, no. Like this was much worse than that. Um, so in 1998, the Wolves signed Joe Smith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, former number one pick, Joe Smith. For, former number one pick. And the thing is, this dude, in the, in the last three years, he's averaged 16 points, eight rebounds per game, right? Mm-hmm. He signs with the Wolves for a one-year, $1.75 million deal. Everybody's like, hmm, that's odd, right? Why would – it seems like he could have gotten more. Um Whatever. So it's he, he does a prove it deal. The next year he signs a one year, two point one million dollar deal. Again, below market value for Joe Smith, who like wasn't a great player, but like better you know, than two point one million dollars. Yeah, this is back in the day when guys were spent like signing like the the ten year two hundred ten million dollar like you know this is uh th- this was the heyday of like big contracts, right? I mean, we're, we're back there again, but, and then finally the, the, the Smith signs a $2.5 million deal. Okay. Uh, well, okay. Why did he sign all of these deals? Well, the, the Timberwolves had this deal with Joe Smith that basically you sign these three deals uh, for below market value, because we want to be able to sign other free agents mm-hmm. and we will reward you because we will have your bird rights, which would make him eligible to a contract up to $86 million. Seems like a good deal for both sides, right? Well, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an, it was an illegal deal. <laughs> it was against yeah, I mean, it sounds too good to be true. Yeah. Uh, so basically the NBA is like David Stern uh, was like, nah, like, nah, this, this ain't, this ain't happening. So uh, he, Give, or he takes five first round picks from the Timberwolves. Uh, he, yep. A lot for a team that uh, we talked about a team that was like a fringe, like you think about players that are taking the mid first, like late first round. Um, maybe they're not stars, but they're certainly players that, that help teams. Um, they, they, I think they only ended up losing three of those 
Um, but uh, Glenn Taylor got suspended. Uh, Kevin McHale got suspended. Um, the, the, the best quote, you know, from it all was, was Kevin McHale. He goes, there are eight, eight to 10 teams that do this all the time. They're just good at it. We're bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, Mikhail. yeah, Joe Smith, he, he ended up signing with the Pistons, um, for one year and then he came back to the Wolves on a, on a six year, $34 million contract. Um, but like the interesting thing is you, you look at who the Timberwolves could have drafted and this is a team that is notoriously bad for drafting. So you can't just assume they would have taken these players, but, um, in 2001, they would have drafted 29th, um, players. They could have drafted, uh, Trenton Hassel, who they ended up getting anyways. Um, Brian Scalabrini, who, um, not a great player, but, but certainly, uh, uh, an okay one and, uh, Gilbert Arenas. Um, so there's that in 2002, the Timberwolves could have drafted, um, somebody like Matt Barnes. Um, in 2003, they actually got their pick back. And of course they took newbie EB who might just be the biggest bust in Timberwolves draft history. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, they missed out on a lot of talent and it like, it's all pretty embarrassing uh, considering like who the player was that, that they were doing these uh, deals for. But um, I think once you learn more about the story and what the Timberwolves were trying to do, um, it makes a little bit more sense, but, but they got caught and they got, they got hit big time. Yeah. Cause I mean, Minnesota at the time, look, it's, it's, we, and we've seen it now in, in the future. It's, it's the only way. And that's kind of one of the flaws about the NBA is in order for small markets to succeed, you, you have to draft. Well, you have to, mm-hmm. there's absolutely no way you become a prominent power in the league unless you draft well we saw the Timberwolves try with Jimmy Butler and ultimately failed because Jimmy Butler was not going to sign long term with the Wolves so that's you know I guess you kind of see why you do it because if you have more money to sign these free agents that's what's going to bring people in is money and if you can offer more money to these people that's probably what will bring them to Minnesota and look if you have one of those picks who knows maybe you have that that bench guy that you need in order to you know propel yourselves into the finals and you know as we just declared them champions of 2004 had Sam Cassell not gotten hurt um I mean that is is very possible that you know, you have a backup for Sam Cassell, like a Gilbert Arenas. It would have totally made sense. It had that happen. And it's just, it's frustrating. I, c- I could imagine, you know, like, obviously, I've seen several things like that happen. Not, and in some personal, some not, but I just, it's frustrating when you're a team that isn't the Lakers or the Celtics or, the heat or a team like that, that just doesn't attract the biggest free agents. And, you know, the Rockets at one point were like that, but you know, they've, you know, somehow managed to be able to get a decent amount of free agents. So, but I can only imagine how just, that's just kind of where I think if there's a flaw in the NBA, that's it. It's that there, there really isn't a fair 
way to give a team like the Timberwolves a the, the fairest shot, the, the same amount of fairness that an LA Lakers does. Because look, LA Lakers, they were the garbage of the league for what four or five years during the late Kobe years and the and the early post-Kobe years. And then look, they signed LeBron James because they're in Los Angeles. They trade for Anthony Davis because they got LeBron and they won a championship in one year. It's just so frustrating. And I find that frustrating. And I'm not even a Timberwolves fan, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just, man, like, and, and look, considering the fact that the Wolves, they got their one shot and still to this day have not gotten that shot. And, you know, but even with the this Wolves team, you can't have thought that this would be it for them. I mean, you have this big three with Latrell Sprewell, Sam Cassell. Kyle, how did this team not make another playoff appearance? Well, um, you know, I, th- I think, I mean, the, the next year by, by no means was like a huge disappointment because they, they did finish 44 and 38. I mean, um, compared to the last year. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Go from number one in the West it, and it's, you're it, 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 down two games away. Anything that isn't, you know, close to that is a disappointment to me, at least. Yes, you're, I mean, yes. Like, I, I think, uh, like, the, the way you're talking about it makes it seem like they won like 10, 50 games into the season. Okay. And that's where you're like, okay, like something's going on. Who takes over Kevin McHale? Now, um, obviously something happened. And, uh, you know, like th- there are stories about like Kevin McHale calling people around the team and asking what Flip Saunders was doing at practice days, right? Like, I think that there were these like, uh, and and whether these things are true, right? Th- these are things that are talked about, but um, like, I think there was a cons- like there was this. We made it this far. We need to again. Um, are we doing the best we can? And I think that they're like for two guys, like two former Golden Gophers and Mikhail and Flip Saunders. That relationship totally eroded um, when when Mikhail uh, came back to Minnesota. Um, this is before before Flip had passed, uh, and and Flip was the president of basketball operations for the Wolves. Mikhail was asked about his relationship with flip and he basically just said no comment. Right. Um, like these are two guys that were really, really close. And, um, for whatever reason, they're just, their relationship deteriorated. And, um, for a lot of people, flip Saunders is like the face you think of when you think of Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. And with that, the rest of, you know, the rest of the team eroded because by the next season you have Kevin Garnett's gone. Um, you know, uh, the, the like Dwayne Casey, the coach, the team wins 33 games, but um, you know, like it, it's, it's just sad because you, you still had KG, you know, he, you had him for two years after that and you weren't able to make a run. Um, and, and, you know, KG has been, he's been, it's been well-documented that he said that he didn't want to leave. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and the, the Timberwolves certainly didn't get much for him as much as they should have, but um I think for Minnesota fans, it was so good to see him go and win somewhere else because like he would have just wasted his career away in Minnesota um, for a team that was going nowhere. Was Flip getting fired? Was that the nail in the coffin for them? 
direction anymore. Um, you know, like I, I think it was like, you know, this is the coach that had won, you know, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like Flip Saunders was, you know, I think a lot of times people maybe compare him to like somebody like Scott Brooks, right? Where like he was just in a good situation and he kind of got lucky. It's like, we forget that like Flip Saunders, like the Pistons after their run to those finals, they hired Flip Saunders, right? And they were still really good with Flip Saunders as their coach. Um, and then he went to Washington. Like he was a valued coach in the NBA. So it wasn't like they were just like kicking out some guy because they thought they needed a better coach. Like there was something wrong with the, the connect between upper management and what was happening on the court. So I think basically when that happened, it was like, all right, like big picture of this organization, um, you know, isn't on the same page at all. And uh, you know what I'll say about somebody like, you know, being around this team for, for as long as I have, um, you know, there's certainly so many good people in the organization, but like that disconnect has not gone away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think what we've seen even, even today is, is there's so much importance in relationships that you build with your players, with the players on the team, with management to players, with there, there's so much value in the relationships that you make. And look, we're like with James Harden, that's another, you know, great example of, of you know fostering relationships and how important that is jimmy butler another another example of how important it is to be on the same page and it's difficult it's not easy when mm -hmm. you have so many when there's so many outside factors when there's you know i want more playing time i want more money i want when money's involved that's the huge money is probably the number one thing that kills relationships not just in basketball but in life it's probably one of the biggest killers and i just it, it's so difficult and it's what makes things like the 0304 wolves so much more special because despite all of that despite the the challenges that the, that team was facing uh, they still were able to triumph at least to a certain extent maybe not the whole enchilada, but maybe about three fourths. But I'm gonna one last question before we go. You've obviously worked with the wolves in the past. What how, what is your fondest memory of this 0304 wolves? And how does this team resemble how the fan base feels today? Like what's the relationship between the fan base now and that 0304 team? Yeah, I think like the fondest memory is like that that KG that that like him up on that um that stand um not just for the moment but I think for him finally being recognized it felt like during that season how good he was and that he was one of the best players in the league and um like I think that was it like for, for Timberwolves fans it was like we're finally being taken seriously um and I think that that is how they connect that season because they're still trying to be taken seriously. And, um, and I think that goes for people in the front office. I think that goes for fans. I think that goes for everybody, like people that have worked there for so long, they just, and, and fans that have followed the team, they just want a taste of that again. And they got a little bit of it with the Jimmy Butler 
situation. I'm sure we can talk about that another time. Um, like the Timberwolves were, you know, as good as a three seed that year before Jimmy got hurt. Um, and then, you know, it, like they're like, it's fallen, fallen apart and they, they haven't gotten back to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is a good place to park the time machine for now, but thank you so much, Kyle, for coming on to the show. And thank you listeners for uh, subscribing to the podcast, for taking a listen and committing a time traveling violation with your boy, Jeremy Brenner. So be sure to follow uh, hoops pod net on Twitter, the basketball podcast network at hoops pod net for all things, basketball podcast and all of our other podcasts on our brand new network. Be sure to also follow Kyle Racky and his 10,000 layups podcast. I'm going to let him take the floor now and throw any plugs that he wish. Yeah. 10,000 layups, uh, Julian Andrews, Kyle Radke. We're going to talk Timberwolves and, um, we're going to talk about a lot of other things too, because when, when your team's not very good, you just can't talk about, um, you know, you, you, you need positivity. So we're going to be talking about other things. I, don't, I like, but I kind of like this Wolves team. I, I'm Anthony Edwards. I didn't like that. He went number one, but he's growing on me. He's good. No, he's, he's, he's good. So I think, funny. I think he's hilarious. He, he's really, he's really funny. He's got character, um, which is good. Uh, we need that. But what I will say is, and this is a conversation for another time. Uh, and it'll probably be in our first podcast. The, the, the Timberwolves have convinced themselves that D'Angelo Russell is a star. Um, and while he is better than Andrew Wiggins, uh, I think we're going to look back at that trade. Not so fondly, um, depending on where that draft pick lands next year, that goes to golden state. Excellent. Well, you can hear all about that and more on the 10,000 layups podcast. So be sure to check that out and we'll be back next week with another basketball podcast pair of episodes, diving deep into another one of the depths of basketball histories, uh, stories. So you're not going to want to miss that. So be sure to subscribe and download the Passable Podcast on your podcast app of choice. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And until next time, rewind and be kind.